Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business, where I talk with interesting people sharing life and business experiences to entertain, engage, build community, and provide information to help others succeed. If you're interested in learning more about one of our guests or how we are helping business owners generate wealth and build businesses they can sell or succeed at Exit Your Way, you can find more information on our website, ExitYourWay.com, or by contacting me directly, Damon at ExitYourWay.com. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, everyone. Welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I'm your host, Damon Pistolka, and I've got a guest today. We're going to be talking about showing up with relentless, intentional action. I've got Colson Stieber here today with Ag Access. Colson, great to have you. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh man, I'm excited about this. I was looking at your profile. We were talking earlier. I mean, relentless intentional action. Uh, let's just start there. What what went through your mind to put that on your profile on LinkedIn? Just said that is my headline. Relentless intentional action. It's my personal mantra. Um, my word for the year this year is relentless. I uh am very very focused on taking intentional action every single day to get one percent better uh like find how to uh ultimately like live my future self and vision that i have and uh you know it's basically a commitment to make it public that that's exactly what i'm here to do is to show up with relentless intentional action every single day that's awesome that's awesome, man. I love I love hearing that. I love when people just make a decision to do it, to put it, go all in on that. So was there was there a something in your life that that you just woke up one morning and and this hit you, or what what really made you decide to take this this action? I mean, I that we could go on for days of, uh, <laughs> but it would certainly start uh at least like much of who i am right now starts at with basically like the end of eight, 2018 as i take like a, a stock of my life because i have largely worked to like optimize my life and have put some actual like process to how i run myself because like i am always always like action man right and i have to figure out how to kind of rein myself in and the only way to do that is you know i don't want to actually slow myself down i just want to like actually be running in a direction and but i was at a breaking point of breaking points of just like hating everything about who i was as a person and father and leader and yeah. businessman and uh like like decided i had to put a stake in the ground and start doing a quite a bit of new things and you know fast forward now uh what one two three years later it's um uh it's certainly been a journey uh and um i've spent a lot more time working on like what my own personal purpose is and uh like figuring out 
how I need to grow and develop, then, uh, you know, the average person gets to spend the time, which is why being an entrepreneur is so awesome because you get the opportunity to invest back in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible, man. It's uh, love hearing that love hearing that I, I went through a similar, my, my journey started in about 2000 and it was 19, 2019, the fall of 2019. Um, and it's, it's life-changing when you, when you do it. It yep. really is. So what did you, what did you, when you made that decision, what is, what are some of the things that you realize now be doing this for a while, really working on with relentless intentional action? I mean, for me, it's uh, like always creating space, being very, very like intentional with what I bring my attention to and like, always working to like simplify and narrow the focus. All right. And then um, I, I, something I picked up at the end of 2018 to renew and reset my year was a Dominic Cortutio book. It's, it's, it's not design your life, but it's, it's some similar title to that, that talked about creating awakenings in your life continuously, both externally and internally. And I uh, literally like curate my stack and it's like my learning journey of like, I'll, I'm going to create internal awakenings by always like taking time off and uh, having some solitude. I'm going to meditate every single day. Um, like, and be on my own spiritual journey to figure out who I am and how I'm going to show up in the world. But then I also have to create external awakenings and so on a daily basis, like I always read books. Now I like never miss a day of reading. And now I finish 40 books a year and, you know, typically 25 to 30 of them are like leadership development, you know, uh, personal development stack. And, um, you know, you get a, you hear the same thing that's a deep dive written by someone that like has invested in writing an entire book on it a lot of different ways. And you, you start making new connections in your mind. And then the other one is to be really intentional with the relationships. That's the other uh, external one. Uh, like where am I building community that I'm surrounded by the exact right people uh, so that I'm becoming who I actually want to be. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. For me, it was, it's, it, you, you mentioned many of the same things that, that really changed it for me. And that reading is one. I don't know if I'm up to 40 books a year because I often reread. That's one of the things I do, but they are in the leadership and personal development space. It's, it's amazing. As you said, what reading two or three books about a topic from different writers really, really gives you. Oh yeah. And, and how that works. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, I struggle with it. a given conversation of getting to know someone without referencing back to like a piece of content that I feel that I should suggest to them that will like meet them where they are and actually provide a next step. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, I'm, and it's really cool to talk a bit about that. And let's, let's, but let's go back and let's talk about your, your company ag access and, and, uh, Let's talk about because we'll get back to relentless intentional action. I got some other questions here, and and that about now. Um, Ag Access is is a research logistics company, correct? Correct. And how did you? It's kind of a niche industry that not a lot of people understand. They know it's there probably, but explain kind of how you got into research, research logistics, and all that. Yeah. Well, if a typical person would think it would exist, that's probably not a narrow enough niche to actually matter and like differentiate yourself on. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, that was definitely where ag access came from because it's, it's so specialized that if you find me for it, like, because it actually fits it, uh, like I'm the obvious choice. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, that journey is certainly a long one, uh, but uh, the speed version is that we're in our 26th year of operating as a company. This company was started in 1997 by my uh, parents. Um, but uh, the predominant way of conducting market research at the time was uh, with telephone interviewing. And um, then I joined the company in 2012. Um, that was still a primary, uh, like value driver of like the services that the company provided. But at, by 2012, uh, it, you know, the online survey had already took over and, mm -hmm. um, you know, tech started to solve just a myriad of like tedious detail process issues. And we have to figure out where we meet the market. Um, I, had to reinvent what that was going to look like. And by the time myself and my partner uh, bought the business from my father in 2016, so it's been six and a half years now, um, I was at the point where essentially I had just jumped in and because I was trusted, even though I was a 22 year old, I started uh, like, I, you know, I learned by coming up with an idea and then going and selling it and uh, then figuring out, well, does that work or not? And is it actually repeatable and can we be profitable doing it? And by the time I did that for about five years, I settled in on like, there's something here on these very custom research projects that are very, very involved where you have to know how to engage the audience. It's a real, expertise that we do have and we can run these research operations and i call that research logistics and we ran with it meanwhile like a significant proportion of the work that we did was in the ag sector and um and so after i read a book called the pumpkin plan in 2019 i um i pumpkin planned the business and said you know, I need more ag sector clients because I know, like, we know these audiences in ag and animal health better than anyone else. And we can actually be the go-to for every major company. And, like, the tech, ag tech is blown up just as big as any other yeah. uh, 
uh, you know, part of tech exploding every industry. And um, there's lots of opportunity to be had. So then the great pause of 2020 uh, offered an opportunity to actually launch that business. Nice. So now we've been um, two and a half years into operating as Ag Access. Uh, we have um, Ag Access is just as big of a company as CFR. Nice. Nice. So that niching down really has helped you then to focus in and 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 provide more um, relevant services to your your customer base, or you can more efficiently. Or how has it really helped you to niche into like that, lean into that? I mean, think of the specificity. I mean, what I have up on my other screen right now is somebody needing to look into feed for a specific additive that's going to be researched for uh, like one type, one livestock, right? And that livestock and our job is to go and know the, like who the owner is, the, the veterinarians, the, the, all of the like, decision influencers around the feed of this livestock have to be engaged in a conversation to can actually conduct research with and yeah. in reality like you know the the lead consultancy that's working with us is you know a, a design firm they're not they don't know agriculture and so like actually uh, you know learning it through having researched in the space is uh, like enormously valuable when yeah. you uh, back to you know the people that we're doing the work for. So in your industry, then because you've niche you're niche down like you are, and just say I'm a I'm a, a pork producer and I want to research a feed like this. You've got uh, producers, veterinarians. Uh, and other people in that food chain, maybe even food resellers or whatever the right, the, the, the animal feed resellers. So you've got those connections already so you can get to them faster and they know who you are. That's what you're, you're kind of seeing too as benefits in this. Yeah. I mean, I, I have, I have a team member whose job is to know the top 40 swine producers in the United States because they yeah. substantively produce about 70% of the meat that actually gets sold. Yeah, yeah, uh, and their their whole job is the their whole job is to like network within those businesses so yeah. that when the primary suppliers, be it for their equipment, their you know antibiotics or uh, veterinary products or their feed or their mm -hmm. uh, like it, you know all of those companies whether they're hiring us directly or they're hiring a like consulting firm that is helping them to design an app or, you know, figure out what the packaging is going to be, or um, like talk about the efficacy of the, you know, uptake of a new drug. Right. I mean, all of these things require actually going and talking to the producer or whoever it is in the supply chain. And it's our job to have the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. That's incredible. So, um, wow. 
So how much you talked about tech and in ag? I don't remember if it was when we were talking about tech and ag. How much? How much? I mean, when you see tech and ag, is it kind of mind blowing how the the applications we're seeing now? Because I just the little bit that I see is and and then like I, I I don't know if I even mentioned to you before. I grew up on a farm in South Dakota. You know, back when they yeah. before there was no till farming. Right? So. <laughs> And and when my brother quit farming in like 2004 or something like that, I couldn't even hardly drive a tractor anymore because they had so much electronics in it. And that's that's right. getting 20 years ago. And now, you know, you don't even touch them. They drive themselves for, for a lot of it, you know, at least going across the large fields where I was from uh, now yep. with the GPS. So yep. what? What are some of the, the interesting things that you can talk about that you, you're like, wow, I never thought they would do this? That you guys get drug into. I mean, it, so so it's it's an interesting uh, challenge because you know tech decided that they the the controlled environment as if you know the insanity of the weather and an actual plant is a controlled environment would offer this like you know ability to just change the, how we feed the world and um i mean there's there's still far more tech companies that are fully funded that are completely out of touch with <laughs> the reality of uh like being a farmer and the yeah. fact that a farmer is already very quite busy doing the actual work of farming yeah and are not too concerned about your tech solution um which i feel like is like truth that i see get uncovered continuously All right. um uh and you know, people think, oh, well, climate change is coming. So let's talk about how we conserve water and how and what are we going to do for carbon sequestration on farming? And I mean, I've we've literally probably conducted at least 100 studies around those two topics in the last two years. And uh, like it, I mean, it's rather absurd to think that like the farmer the farmer is going to be much slower than the tech, than the hundred different solutions that they will get offered uh, to conserve their water. Right? Mm -hmm. It's um, it, it's got to reach a point where there's like real trade offs to be made. But you see that happening, right? The tech is getting so good that it can't be ignored, yeah. and it actually can drive increased profitability, and it can yeah. respond to the incredibly and tight tightening labor market. Yeah. And you know, I I wish I could, uh, I I can do my best, but I've I tried to like lay out like the future of the farm a bit to my wife uh, as we sit back on the couch because I mean I I there is, I mean it is you know the tech only improves, right? And over the coming decade, I've been to these ag expos, right? Yeah. And if you look at that amalgamation of these different um, solutions coming together, you're gonna see, uh, I mean, it's not a matter of, I mean, there's gonna be an ability for a machine to pull out in the morning and run across and 
use a myriad of sensors to determine, let's just say, one finite thing, which would be like the uh, nitrogen, potassium, and uh, right the NPK of a of the fertilizer of the actual soil composition, right? Yeah, and that will be able to be tested as that is going down the field. And it will be able to be precision treated down to the microgram from that piece of machine for the specific plant. Yeah. Uh, which is going to it, it completely change the game of the efficiency of agriculture, right? Because that's that's fundamentally like monitoring a field and uh, deciding what to do on that field. And then like going and actually doing the work to spray it or add fertilizer or whatever is in reality, it's highly inaccurate. Right. Like, and a lot of tech solutions essentially improve that accuracy, improve that accuracy, improve it. Right. And it's going to get to a a pretty incredible level, like where we'll be. And, and then, you know, a different, a different machine will then come through and it will auto sense and, and actually it, it won't even auto sense, right? Like it's literally looking at and we'll see the bug that's on it and it will micro spray it. It will like see the weed that is starting to pop up and it will dig down and take the root out. Um, like, and it, and you think of that, like, I mean, that will be reality within the coming decades. Yeah. Yeah. Some of that, some of that tech, like you said, some of the, both things you mentioned, the fertilizer or pesticide application or herbicide applications. And, and then two, the, the ramifications in organic farming. Um, If you want to grow crops that way with automatic or automated weed removal is pretty crazy what you're going to be able to do because now organic farming is a pain in the butt, you know, and, and it's not all it's not and and as there's as there's more desire from the world to get uh, crops that are high production but also maintain the standard i mean that that like i mean we we're doing studies all the time for esg of trying to i mean it, it's going to be to a point again like on the opposite side where like i mean it a few years from now you might scan the qr code and on your on the your package of lettuce and be able to like follow the journey of that seed and you would be able to do it in the sense that and then i um i mean that efficacy of the actual treatments that can be done that don't use the like chemicals that have produced the you know mass production that we have today but can deliver the results when you when you accompany them with the precision tech Mm -hmm. um i mean it's 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 like it's going to be a completely different landscape over the the next couple next couple decades yeah. Well, and you look at the the farming ecosphere, most people don't realize the the margins and the way that, you know, the change in farming over the last, you know, decades and how, it, you know, it used to be that 
you know, you might be able to, to a family, a family farmer or a, a larger farmer could survive off of, you know, a few thousand acres. And now it's, you know, 10,000 acres or specialty crops or all these other things to really to, to generate enough. And, and that labor cost is a, a significant portion in the overall when you can when you can automate things or, or get some other tech that significantly changes the amount of cost that you have into it. It's just uh, it's really fascinating. And then from the opposite, the, the user side of it, the, the beneficiary of the user side, uh, it would be amazing to be able to go into the grocery store when you're buying, like you said, lettuce and go, OK. If somebody cares, was this grown locally or was it was it flown from halfway around the world? Uh, you know, because I, I, I'm, I'm concerned about the environmental footprint of the food I eat. That could be a big thing. Or even like you're saying, that could also say what what fertilizers were used and what other treatments were on that when it was on the, you know, being grown. I mean, that's crazy, crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. I mean, it, but yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about like the headwinds to farming, like head, farming is a capital intensive business um that has a whole lot of people like trying to get theirs out of that out of that pie and um you know none of us should envy the farmer at, but everyone should respect how how savvy a business person that farmer is to actually even pay themselves at the end of the day like yeah. it is there is a lot happening these are not they they amp up the complexity of running a business because they don't they're not they're not a manufacturing facility but when you when you think of how ten thousand acres of strawberries is grown to deliver on a weekly basis the insane consistency that we experience in the grocery store uh and you get and you really get into how that works it is incredible that it gets pulled off yeah yeah well and then you think about with the inconsistency of weather from year to year and and right. and then labor and every the whole nine yards it's like you said plus their farmers are typically selling into commodity markets because there's a price for strawberries like there is for everything else that's set by the market it's not set by the farmer and if there's a glut somewhere else in the world it can you know it, it's going to affect you yeah uh, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah this is awesome good stuff good stuff well colson let's let's get back to talking a little bit get off of farming i can talk about it a lot I love it. but the uh uh, and the tech's cool. It honestly is. Some of this tech is really, really cool. So when you when when you run into the when you're doing these research projects, helping these people with logistics, putting the putting the data together and stuff, what are some of the biggest challenges that you guys run into? Just from an operational standpoint in your business, what are some of the things that that really uh, are challenging, but maybe fun challenges? Um, I, in terms of like core to what we do, it's yeah. that, what you do, like, yeah, that, that's a challenge is that, um, like essentially we're asking for people's attention in a, you know, in a world where everyone is vying for their attention, right? We're asking yeah. for a different type of relationship where they can actually like 
really be kind of in the know about like what's what is getting developed and how is this going to impact me right and it's gonna like uh and and what's gonna affect them they can really influence the decisions and the design of this stuff right yeah and then they're and then like we do pay them a lot of money but you you have to break through the fray right and that's that's like um i mean it's a never-ending i mean it's challenge but like i i like i i definitely take the ilk of like if it was at all simple to get this done uh there'd already be a research tech company that would have replaced us and the um and like our customer wouldn't need to hire us Mm -hmm. um and so the reality is is as a business we have to just continually identify those issues and take that approach of where's the opportunity how do we get better what's our process Mm -hmm. look like can it get simpler like it's a relationship not a transaction can we turn this into uh you know like what's in it for them right where's the value where's the value and uh and then you break through right then so i mean that like I said, I have people whose job it is to network within these different uh, fields. And, you know, that is an advantage because back to that same lettuce grower, if I can get to the top five owners of lettuce and then they control, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of acres of lettuce. Yeah. And, and, and essentially that becomes market value for me. Yeah. Yeah, you made you. You said one thing that really made me think is that um, they can influence the future in their industry, and I think that would be a real attractive point for anyone that's doing research. Is is you're going to find those people within the industry that care about that, that want to that want to be able to be uh, want to be at the forefront, want to and want to help influence the industry in in positive ways. So, right. yeah. Not- when you're on the outside, people think of like big ag and, and this stuff. I, mean, I, I would actually put it as like the largest agriculture operations are continually concerned with the sustainability of their operation, right? And, and how do they meet that? Uh, like they like one way is that you, you know what's coming by, um, I mean, if there's a seed, chemical, equipment, or ag tech, uh, you know, growingly in ag tech, uh, um, but certainly on seed, chemical, and equipment, if they're out going to make something happen, it's most likely it's getting researched because they're going to make tens of millions of dollars of investment to it into it, right? It's getting researched, and there's a high likelihood that we're the ones that's actually fulfilling that research. Yep, yep. So you can help help the people you're talking to be more successful in their businesses. Exactly. Very cool. Very cool. So what are you looking forward to uh, for next year? What any any new things you're coming up with? Stuff that you're you're excited about trying? I'm on a crazy deep dive that I do every year to like 
try to do as much of the complete reset as possible and figure that out for 2023. So I, I don't, I want to like challenge all of my assumptions, change my relationship with my own business and um, make sure that I'm actually setting course to do what I want to do. That'll like actually fulfill my three-year vision and my 10-year vision. So yeah. Um, I mean, in, in ag access, I am, I, you know, it feels like we were reaching a tip, a tipping point where we've put ourselves out, out in the world enough that it's not just that people are trickling in to find us. It's that we're being, you know, sought out and referred around. And that, and like to say, how do I, as a small business, turn around and like meet that and, and make sure that we like make it better, right? So that we meet it in a way that it becomes sustainable to us uh, is, is what's on my mind. Yeah. And, you know, that is that is interesting. You're doing that. It's great to do because actually I've got a client now I'm helping it. They, they, they plateaued. They really don't understand why they have. But the process you're going through and rethinking everything, challenging assumptions and 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 then restructuring your business or whatever you need to do to, to meet that new whatever you call it, the new paradigm or new reality for you. Uh, is is what's going to allow you to scale to the next level. That's really cool. Super. So what's a question that you would pose to me that I should be asking myself to challenge those assumptions? I've been collecting questions. I, I think, though, you're challenging your assumptions and then and and then anything, you know, nothing, nothing can be sacred. I mean, honestly, you can be doing something the same way every single day, and it can be the one thing that's killing you. And when you look at it, I'm actually... Actually, when I get done here, I'm I'm uh, in a book club. We're doing the Circle of Innovation with Tom Peters. Is a book we're going through now. It's an older book, but you know it talks about the the CDO, the Chief Destruction Officer, and and you're and that that person's role is to how do we drive in from in innovation by wrecking things, and <laughs> I I believe that without you know without killing a business, you need to wreck things. You need to really go listen. I don't care if you know think of these people that do email marketing and 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 when the effectiveness of that wanes and you say well we just have to do e more email marketing that's well that's ridiculous <laughs> ridiculousness it's like okay let's let's you know just keep banging our head in the wall or are we going to figure out how to walk around that wall and really make something that's much better that's looking at it from a different perspective and i i think yeah. i think your your kind of annual reflection is what will keep your business uh, viable the long term because if you're doing that and you're taking a deep dive and willing to really change you'll you'll find good things yeah yeah something i know i've got to do is move to video right so yeah. like like yeah. in my own work day i'm on video all day i send videos to everyone that i speak to but we're not on video in our recruitment and in our relationships with those people that we needed to be doing research with. 
Yeah, the, the people in the field that you want to get research information from. Yeah, I mean, so we often are on video. It depends on the research methodology, yeah. right? Yeah. But I, I, I literally think in terms of like we're not engaging them up front on like with video. And yeah, it's not we're stuck in text, and that's not what people actually relate to. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's this it's the it's interesting that you say that because I'm old enough to know because I am. Look, I got enough grade for everyone, and it you know you see the transition in what people did, and 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 people that are my age. I mean, email was a big thing when that came out and doing it. And now some of the people have migrated to text, but now with with the iPhone and video and FaceTime, and it is so easy to communicate by video that, uh, and it is a much more robust form of communication. You can build relationships with it. You can do a lot more with it than you can a text, especially because yeah. of the, the brevity of it. But yeah, that's a that's a great. I mean, I've got ninety five employees, and nobody nobody goes into an office. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 And that's and and then too on the backside on the business side of it with re, with virtual employees you have to be much more you talk about your relentless relentless intentional action you as a leader have to be much more intentional with your communication because the kind of thing that happens in an office with people walking around talking doesn't happen and you have yeah, to intentionally create that. Yeah, there there's no there's no interaction that happens unless it's curated yeah 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 that's awesome it's been the great gift of uh of covid in my opinion oh the the virtual virtual work i'm telling you we and i know i know there's some people i face to face is great it's great in the right situations it's what you need but when you look at how business can happen when virtual is is perfectly acceptable the way that you can get it done the efficiency and the effectiveness of it cannot be denied. It right. just cannot be denied. And I mean, we're sitting down having an actual conversation here, and not like I get to walk out and uh, like participate in bedtime, and yep. then like fly all over the place and yep. not exactly. be present for our lives. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. And I'm doing that from Florida when I'm uh, before I had an office in St. Louis where everybody showed up to work every day yeah 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 well that's awesome that's awesome well colson it's been awesome talking to you and i can hear you know we we're talking about showing up with relentless intentional action and i can hear it in your voice and in the things you're telling me about living that in, in uh, relentless intentional action the way it's helping you before we leave though you've got a few good quotes on your on your profile here on linkedin that i pulled up not that we have to do those but what is a quote of the day that you would like to leave us with? That was a stumper. I, I just had like three things pop off in my mind. Okay. So three, I, I, uh, I will do my quote for this year. Okay. Uh, I read this to myself every day. It's on my 
and it's on the background on my desktop. Out of every 100 men, 10 shouldn't even be there. 80 are just targets. Nine of nine are the real fighters, and we are lucky to have them, for they make the battle. Ah, but the one. The one is a warrior, and he will bring the others back. Uh, Heraclitus. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Awesome, Colson. That's that's great. That's great. And true. And true. Yeah. So thanks so much for being here today. Thanks, everyone. We got some people. It's got several people that have put comments in. Thanks. This might be somebody you know. They're talking about growers. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Likely so. Awesome. So thanks for shopping by day. Thanks so much, Colson, for being here. We will be back again next week with another guest on the Faces of Business. Hang out, Colson. We'll talk for a moment. Great.